You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey guys, it's Tucker with Sui. Really excited to bring you this bonus episode. It is an interview with Banner Society's Richard Johnson, and it is a really, really eye-opening interview. Got a lot of information about coaching searches in general, as well as specifics to the Arkansas coaching search. We have linked his article in the bio. Uh, It's a really informative article about coaching searches and search firms. We also have a link to his podcast, Podcast Ain't Played Nobody. That is amazing love that podcast hope you'll check it out really great to have richard on so sit back relax and enjoy a great interview welcome to a bonus episode of woo pod suey i am your host tucker partridge along with my co-host Saul malone and we have something special for you today. We've got an interview with SB Nation's Richard Johnson. He is joining us live in the studio and is going to be helping us figure out what is going on with this coaching search. Welcome to the studio, Richard. It's good to be in, baby. Uh, so let's not beat around the bush. What names are you hearing right now for the Arkansas job? It's pretty much the names that uh, are out there and, and fairly widely reported. Um, you've got some Fritz, you've got some Norvell, you've got some Lane. It's 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 those guys, um, and those are those are. I'm not gonna say finalists for the job, but those are guys who are being bantied about for the job. Um, I think so far, Hunter Yurchek is doing a pretty decent job of keeping things kind of close to the vest. And um, there aren't really many leaks to speak of. Um, you know, there's nothing like what Florida State had, where Florida State people were acting like Bob Stoops had, A, already taken the job, or B, um, was like literally setting up for a press conference. I have not heard much of that from Arkansas. And I think that when there's a void um, where names aren't being reliably sourced or or more than that, I, I think when there's a when there's a void created in a sense of you aren't hearing this like consistent trickle of oh this guy's getting a first interview this guy's getting a second interview and and you know Hunter Yurchek is flying here or there like when you don't have that trickle of information that's where I think people sit and look around and say well what the heck is going on uh, what are we doing you know what, because other schools are firing coaches or retaining coaches or, or what have you we as Arkansas may be getting left out in the cold. Um, so I kind of understand why people are like, what's going on? Because it's been, well, it's been a week at this point, almost since the regular season ended and, and it's been what, three weeks since Chad Morris got fired. Yes, that's right. And also, you know, the early signing periods coming up. So people are, I'm sure getting a little anxious about that. Are we going to get a guy in that can start getting people in 
and early. So, uh, yeah, this just seems like a whole lot of nothing. So I get why people are so anxious as well. Yeah, I am. Um, is 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 your check using a search firm? I do not believe so. I don't think we're a firm school at the moment. Okay, yeah, because I wasn't sure. I hadn't heard either way. I know that Eurocheck himself was placed by a search firm. So when search firms get into the equation, uh, search firms like to keep things really, really buttoned up, and that's why you use one. That's that's their point. And so uh, when search firms are in it, things can be even more quiet than they otherwise would be. Um, but Arkansas does have one thing in its favor that a lot of other open jobs don't, and uh, it, it is that it's an SEC school. And it, I say that, and it sounds really simple, and it sort of is. For coaches as competitive as they are, just as human beings, the kind of allure of the SEC, the allure of playing at a place that's not just the level of competition, but the level of backing and resources one can expect with an SEC school. That is something that an SEC uh, job will have as a chip over a lot of other jobs in the mix. Um, you know, even though Arkansas is obviously not the LSU or Alabama or Georgia job. That's good that you bring that up because I wanted to get, I guess, an outsider perspective from a national media member on kind of what went wrong at Arkansas. Uh, during the broadcast for the game against LSU, we had one of the color commentators was uh, Alabama quarterback Greg McElroy. And he kind of went on a little bit of a rant about how Chad Morris was not given enough time. Do you think that was the case? Do you agree with that? And uh, do you think that that firing is a bad look for Arkansas that makes the job less desirable to any kind of coaching candidates? Not really. Um, I am pretty much a year three guy um, or a three year guy to show proof of concept um, because I think that's kind of conventionally how long it usually takes. Uh, but I do think Arkansas was in a unique, in a bad way, a unique place in just being so, 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 so bad. I mean, they were <laughs> awful. And yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not, you know, you guys watch the games more than I do. I mean, I'm not, I'm not reinventing the wheel here with that statement. Um, I, I think that sometimes you, when you hear some of the things that I, you know, that Morris may have been over his head in over his head or, Morris may not have been developing talent in the way that Arkansas felt like. And you start to hear some of these whispers about some of the things that went wrong within the program. Um, you know, John Chavis was brought in and those things, the things that you would expect Chavis to fix or, or to do well never really happened. And so it was like, what are we really doing here? So yeah. I understand I understand this more cut and dry than I think maybe I understand a Florida state situation. Um, why Morris was fired why Morris was fired after two years. Um, I, I get it. Uh, I don't think it makes the job less enticing for a future coach. I think the interesting thing, and, and it's a trend, or it's not a trend yet, I should say, I am waiting to see if it's going to become a trend. If as these buyouts start increasing and salaries keep increasing and everything gets more and more money, if we start to see things like a two-and-done and a one-and-done guys uh, maybe two or three every cycle like we get in the NFL now as, as college sports becomes more professional. Is that something that we're going to start to see? Because in the NFL, there's a one-and-done guy seemingly every year. I mean, it might be Vic Bangio in, in Denver this year. Um, so every, if, if the NFL is already there, 
college football may, I don't know, I'm saying may get to a point where we're starting to see uh, two and duns and one and duns as as a normal, a minor part of the of the coaching cycle, but a more normal part of the coaching cycle. Right, and you know we got l- lucky, I think, that really got fired at Florida State before Chad did because it kind of set a precedent that allowed us to be like, well, if Florida State can do it, like why can't we do it? And, you know, it, I think it was helpful that they they pulled the trigger first because I think people, I think. We, we kind of agreed, and we've discussed it on our pod before, but Chad has lost everyone. It wasn't just that he lost the locker room. He lost the donors. He lost the fan base. He lost everyone. Like There wasn't anything salvageable for him to come back to, and I think having the fact that you know, Florida State was like, well, we got rid of Willie. Like, I think Arkansas was like, well, I think we're okay to pull the trigger as well. Sure, yeah. I When – when Willie got fired, I was like, oh, well, Arkansas is probably going to be next. I mean, it was all like, well, Arkansas is the next kind of the next uh, the next option or the, or the next most likely uh, team to do this, especially when Western Kentucky became a must-win game against the quarterback that used to be part of your program. I mean, that, that, and Western Kentucky itself is in the first year uh, under their head coach. Um, it was a situation where it was like, you know, you're an SEC team, you're, you're Arkansas. I mean, again, you're not gangbusters, you're not going 12 and 0 every year, but Western Kentucky should not exactly become a, uh, a must win. Um, that, that, that seems kind of wild to say. So moving towards kind of what the coaching search process looks like. What do you think, I guess, really matters in what a school is looking for in a coach? A lot of times you'll see it broken down where a coach is either a scheme guy who brings in some kind of offensive or defensive scheme that's supposed to set them apart, or a recruiting guy who can get great talent in there and then optimize that talent to do well. Do you think either of those matter more than the other, or is that sort of a craft by the national media because it sounds interesting. No, I, I think you're pretty close there. I think the other one that is um, has worked re- in recent years is the Dabo Sweeney at Orgeron model. Um, it's where you get a coach. Not everyone can do this, but it's where you get a coach who may be unproven in Dabo's case. Dabo was a receiver's coach before he was the interim there. Um, or Ed, who obviously had his uh, had the misstep at Ole Miss to get the job at USC, um, and uh, you know, damn near reinvented himself uh, to become the the statesman of LSU. But I say that to say, you get a guy who is um, who you can can be. Not I don't want to use the word figurehead, but can be kind of the public face of the deal and the program in a very kind of classical sense. Think of like a Mac Brown, like a really facey kind of guy, and then you surround him with gangbuster, highly paid coordinators to do more of the football-type scheme stuff. That is a simplification. Dabo's a good football coach. I'm not saying he's not, but it's a, simplica- it's a simplification of what LSU and Clemson have both shown that you can have a lot of success with. Um, now, that takes a lot of money. Um, as I understand it, I think Arkansas has got the money to maybe pull that off. So maybe they go that direction with this. You know, we will see, obviously. It's it's, it's 3.30 on December 5th. So, you know, they, they still don't have a coach. So it still remains to be seen which way they go with this. And, and it, 
it doesn't seem right now that anybody really has the, the real lead in the race um, from where I feel. To kind of talk about what a potential coach is looking at when they're kind of auditing potential jobs, you see a lot of guys that are kind of hot button coaching candidates that a lot of schools are looking to poach. What kind of are they looking for, I guess, what weight does money have? What weight does facilities play? Does the national perception of a program matter? Or is it, I mean, because you've brought up a couple of times now that Arkansas being an SEC school matters. I guess I'm wondering, you know, what all factors matter in that decision? Right. Um, so money matters in in a way that you may not realize. One of the ways money matters in a big way is, um, not necessarily about your salary, but your assistant salary and your assistant salary pool. And so basically every coach is, um, pretty simply put, given a pot of money to hire his assistant coaches, uh, and, or his support staff. Um, so like Greg Schiano at Rutgers was given, I believe it, it's roughly $8 million to hire his assistant coaches. That, that is like a $5 million step up, uh, from what, Rutgers' previous assistant pool was. Um, so the money itself speaks because of what you can do with it, uh, but the money also speaks because it's like, all right, what is this school really going to invest in me? The school can, can sign my check, and, and we, can, we can iron out my contract till we're blue in the face, but what is the school going to spend to back me, to keep me competitive, to help me create something that is sustainable? It's the same with facilities. Um, uh, uh, an indoor practice facility, yes, you want to be able to stay out of the rain. <laughs> you know, you want to be able to keep your guys healthy and not tear an ACL when the field's torn up from rainwater, you know, during training camp. But what a facility really means is a facility means that the school is going to back me. The school yeah. wants its best, whether it's weights, whether it's, uh, you know, nutrition facility, whatever it is, the school is going to give me what I want to create a sustainable football program for as long as I am here. And, and obviously everybody hopes that we kiss and have a long life for until I retire into the sunset. What about NCAA sanctions? There was a national reporter who did a poll about what job in the SEC was most attractive between Ole Miss, Missouri, and Arkansas. And I'm sure that this is just the homer in me, but I was a little shocked to see that Missouri and Ole Miss kind of ran away with that. Uh, partially because Missouri is facing really, really severe NCAA sanctions. Uh, I guess I wondered, I mean, we all have our feelings about how terrible the NCAA is and whether or not those sanctions should actually be applied. But how much of that is a factor, I guess, in a coach deciding between jobs? I mean, it depends on the sanctions. Uh, I think a bowl ban stinks, but you can get around a bowl ban. I mean, whatever. You just don't go to a bowl. You honor your team as champions like Ohio State did uh, during Urban Meyer's first year. Or, um, you know, I'll throw it back to the Arkansas folks. Um, and this may be a painful memory, but SMU beats Arkansas back in the Southwest Conference days. And they honor themselves as champions uh, because they won that game with a bowl-sanctioned team or a bowl-banned team. Um, so, you know, both sanctions are both sanctions. The real kicker is scholarships. It's how many scholarships and how long is that scholarship ban going to be in place? Because you step into a situation where the cupboard may be barren, where you don't have a ton of depth, um, like a Penn 
State, uh, if I recall correctly, when Bill O'Brien got there, or USC, uh, back when they were dealing with their sanctions. It's, it's how much are these scholarships going to affect my depth? Because I can recruit and get guys 1 through 22 on the depth chart, or, or 1 through 44 on the 2 deep, but then under that, what's going to happen? What, what kind of freshman can I sign if my defensive tackle, my two defensive tackles go down, and I got to put a freshman in there, and, and he is a walk-on. What I got a problem. So that's kind of that's kind of how a, a scholarship ban can really harm you in in a long-term uh, type of way. Uh, to kind of move uh, into the other side of the coaching search, we've seen a couple of candidates in both this search and the search two years ago, uh, seemingly kind of. Be source sources are saying this coach is a candidate, and then they end up with a massive raise. Uh, in this cycle, we've seen Matt Campbell go from kind of the darling of college football into signing a pretty lucrative extension at Iowa State. How often, I guess, do you think that these sources are placed by coaches or agents to increase profile rather than actually being serious candidates? No, I, I think that coaches have like legitimate conversations. Um, now, yeah, there are some guys who really, really, you know, may play the uh, the field, so to speak, and it it becomes sort of transparent. Um, but I, for the most part, it's just like me or you, Tucker. Like, if, if I get a job offer from ESPN and Banner Society wants to keep me around. Banner Society gonna have to show me something. Now I'm not making millions of dollars, but that is how the business world kind of works. So it, when it plays out in the media, it plays out publicly. People say, "Oh, oh, that guy's just angling for a raise." I mean, yeah, kind of. But at the end of the day, four point five million versus five million a year, two extra years, like it's it's not much about the money it's not about the dollar figure yes five hundred thousand dollars every year is nice we would all love to have it but when you get to that echelon of coach and guy and executive it's not so much about the dollars and cents as it is about organizational backing institutional backing what can you buy with five million that you can't buy with 4.2 million you know what i mean um so that's kind of the situation. But uh, so a school like Minnesota, Minnesota got out in front of it and, and gave uh, P.J. Fleck the extension right after they beat Penn State, I believe, uh, or before they beat Penn State. I can't remember. Um, so they got out in front of it. Um, James Franklin, uh, a name that, well, USC didn't open, so he won't be mentioned with USC, but a name that has uh, <laughs> been kicked around a little bit at Florida State this time and the last time when they went to hire Willie. Uh, I think Franklin may end up getting an extension. Uh, Brian Kelly, uh, a name kicked around at Florida State as well. I think Brian Kelly may end up getting an extension. Uh, does it mean that those guys were never, ever, ever going to even consider Florida State? No, but it means that Brian Kelly hasn't gotten an extension in a little while. Uh, James Franklin hasn't gotten an extension since I believe they went to the Rose Bowl a few years ago. Um, so, you know, hey, do you really want me around? Uh, do you really want me to stay? And are you really going to back me to stay? Yeah. I think it's, yeah. It's it's always interesting because, you know, and especially in the day and age of everyone has a voice on Twitter of 
hashtag sources and things like that. <laughs> it can get a little wild out there. It's, it, we had a fun day uh, <laughs> on Twitter on, on Monday, especially of, hey, we're flight tracking and all my people that work at Drake Field know what's going on. So, yeah, we had Lane Kiffin eating at a Fayetteville restaurant. Bro, I uh, love according it. I mean, to the sources. The Tennessee coaching search, I think, uh, I think it was John Gruden was eating at a, the restaurant like Calhoun's on the River, which is like basically right outside Neyland Stadium. Yeah. That was a couple years ago. Um, I remember, like, I'll give you guys a quick story. I was in college. I, I went to Florida, and um, during right after Muschamp got fired, this had been my senior year of college. I was sitting in class, and I got an email. Um, I got an email from somebody who was like, yo, Florida's plane um, is about to take off and go to Colorado. Uh, I got, I know somebody who knows a pilot or something. So I hightail it over to Gainesville's airport, the small airport, College Town Airport, like five gates on the commercial side. What I didn't know was that the private side, the private terminal is on the other side of the tarmac. So <laughs> I watch. So I'm standing there waiting for Jeremy Foley to walk right by me and, and maybe ask him a question or two see where he's going. Um, and I watched Florida's plane taxi take off and, and, and head to Colorado. And then obviously it was, it was the, the, the fiasco when Foley landed in Colorado, but like I was on the wrong side. So yeah, man, I, I know, I know a good plane chase uh, on flight aware when I see one. <laughs> I think too, the thing I remember about that, the Gruden thing especially was when he went on, he was on like some ESPN show and he just randomly brought up the Rocky top song. Like he brought up Rocky top. And I remember that like 30 second clip of him talking about Rocky top, just getting analyzed like this, a Bruder film of just being like, well, he brought it up on purpose. He must be going. He's in Knoxville by tomorrow. Oh, the, right? the triangulation is great. I, I would love for lane to just tweet a picture out of some pork and see what happens. <laughs> just, just any, like, just a picture of like an arbitrary place in Fayetteville. It's like, yeah, I went here. It is cool. Uh, <laughs> I guess the last question that we have for you is this stretch of Arkansas football from Brett Bielema's last year to now has just been maybe the worst in program history. And the fans are, are just so fed up and exhausted. And I think the thing that we talk about, it's not necessarily that people are angry. It's just there's a, a big cloud of apathy that kind of hangs over the program. No one cares anymore because we've been so bad. And it seemed the last staff had no interest in fixing it regardless, like, or making an attempt to actually do the work that they said they were going to do. Like, you know, in press conferences, a lot of coach speak, but no actual work to fix what was going wrong. But do you see this, because Arkansas is historically a kind of storied program, do you see this as more of a trend in Arkansas football or just kind of an aberration and the next guy is going to get Arkansas back on track? Because, again, we don't know who the next guy is, but do you see these last three years as this is kind of who Arkansas is now or is it just a little more of a blip on a map in its overall picture? Um, you know, I wonder. I, I wonder. And I think we're about to find out because – you know, I, I know the contract with AM and the Dallas game sucks. I mean, both, like, I know y'all hate it. I know AM fans hate it. Yeah. Um, you know, I know the War Memorial thing is, is a point of contention uh, within the fan base. And then what are we doing there? We're playing an SEC game there every other year, I believe. Or is it every year? It's every other year. It's every other year. Okay. So I know that that plays into it. Um, the schedule, given what it is, um, you know, you're playing at least two games against the upper crust, upper crust in college football. It's hard. Um, what are you doing edgewise with out-of-conference scheduling that can create a ceiling on this job? I, I think Arkansas's biggest problem in the last 
six or seven years, probably yeah. I since, think since Bobby left, is what is the identity? We've, you, you've kind of shifted and there's been so many fits and starts. Brett comes in and wants to do one thing, realizes that's not going to work, and, and goes to try and do another thing. Now, obviously, I guess that's the most successful season. Um, Brett's third year would be the most successful season since Bobby. Uh, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm really going off the top of the dome right now. No, you're right. Um, yeah. Eight and four. Hey, Brett went eight and four. Right. And- right. So, so there's that. And then Brett changes schematically. They have a good season, but it doesn't work out. And then you bring somebody else in. And then he's bringing in his own thing, but it never, there was never a foothold. So you're now running into like the third or fourth different like regime schematically, training, everything in like a very quick span. And that's hard. And that kind of creates the fits and the starts and the clunky, like we're into first gear, but we can't shift out of first gear and we can't shift into second or third gear. And it's not seamless. It's not working. And, and we're grasping for so many things, both talent wise and on the field. And it creates this it's frustration and it creates apathy. So I, I, I get it. I understand it. Um, that's why I think this hire is very, very crucial. This hire is crucial to say, can we all get on the same page here and like do something together and show some semblance of linear success uh, and progress? Um, we, we will see. Yeah, we, we have said, I think a big kind of through line for us has been Arkansas missed terribly on this last hire and we literally cannot afford to miss again. Otherwise, we are just really, really in the dumps. Right. Yeah. You can't quite literally money. I mean, the SEC check is going to come every year, but it gets to a point where, yeah, it's hard to afford, you know, multiple buyouts. And, you know, I, I know that there was some uh, a nook and a cranny that you kind of slid it into to get around Bielema's buyout. But you can't have these things piling up, firing a coach every like two and a half years and, and paying off the last guy and the last guy is plural. I think that is all we've got for you, Richard. Thank you so much for coming on listeners. You can read a lot of his writing, including one great piece explaining how coaching search firms work on banner society. And you can listen to him and he talks about Arkansas a lot on a podcast called Podcast Ain't Played Nobody that is available anywhere uh, that you can listen to podcasts. Uh, thanks again. Thank you so much, Guys, man. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, man. Any complaints can be sent to at 38Godfrey on Twitter. At 38Godfrey. He will be hearing from us. <laughs> Number five, you better look at him a little closer. He's a football player. It's Arkansas, baby. <laughs>